Hello and welcome to this week's edition of French Football Weekly, the podcast. I am your host, Chris, and once again, I am joined by some lovely people to talk some French football. So from right to left, give us a wave. Introducing first, it's Phil, uh, who's feeling a little better. Hello, Phil. Hello there. And Mr. Jerry Smith. Hello, Jez. Hello. And Mr. Rich Allen. Hello, Rich. Hello. Good. That's the uh, that's the intros out of the way. So let's dive straight in at the deep end. Uh, where shall we start? I hear you ask. Well, we're going to run down the results as usual, and then we're going to have a little discussion about some uh, individual performances and some of the results involved from the weekend. So, what happened last weekend in Liga? The uh, the program got off to a start on Friday evening as Le Boulogne got off a 2-0 victory at home to Nîmes. Uh, largely, um, what's the word? Underwhelming, I think I'm going to say, having watched that game. We will touch on Lyon later, but goals from Dembele and Depay with the, 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 goal, with the winning goals there clinched the three points. On to Saturday, PSG won a match. I know that's a surprise to everyone. Uh, 5-0 at home to Omiens. Not a big surprise at all. Marquinhos, Rabiot, Draxler. Kylian Mbappe, of course, and Diaby with a lovely finish on 87 to make it five of the best for the Parisians. Can uh, and Gangob, uh, the only highlight of this game was a fan, a young fan. If you haven't seen the picture, have a look at my Twitter timeline. Uh, it's a young lad whose expression sums up the game perfectly. I'll just leave that hanging. Uh, Dijon. Uh, face Lille at home, losing 2-1. The away side going into a two-goal lead before half-time with Nicolas Pepe, who else, from the penalty spot for Luis Oral got the second with a, a lovely take, actually. A really good finish. More on Lille in a moment. Uh, Abid got the goal back for the home side. Too little, too late. Uh, Nantes, they uh, have improved somewhat of recent weeks. Change of coach and all that. 4-0. New manager bounce. I think bouncing. so. Yeah, bouncing big time, bouncing all over Toulouse uh, by four goals to nil. Two goal, uh, sorry, hat trick for Emilio Sala and Boschilia with the other goal there. A route. I think it's fair to say Toulouse in trouble. Uh, Ram, not Reem, thank you. Uh, got a one-all draw at home to Angers in uh, the other one of the other evening games. Traore putting the away side in front before Chavaria got the equaliser for the home side. Strasbourg uh, ruined Thierry Henry's debut. More on that in a moment. Uh, goals from Thomason and Motiba for the home side before a late Yuri Tillemans penalty goal in a game that saw him finish with 10 men. As I say, we'll come back to that in a moment. Uh, Montpellier also on the Sunday section with a 2-0 victory over Bordeaux. Gaetan Labour uh, giving the old I won't celebrate against my former club routine with the opener for Andy Delors penalty secured the points. Uh, St Etienne and Ren drawing one all in a, a fairly watchable game, I thought. Anyway, uh, Ismail Assar uh, back on the score sheet for the away side, equalising a Wabi Kazri penalty as early as the fourth minute. Uh, there was also, I think I'm right in saying, a brilliant save in that match. Save of the season. It wasn't it just. It was a, a stunning stop, which uh, I'm sure Rich can touch on in a moo. And finally, the evening game uh, didn't quite live up to my expectations. I think it's fair to say. We will touch on this one a bit later on as well. But Morgan Sasson getting the victorious, uh, or getting the, the winning goal for the victorious Marseille as they beat Patrick Vieira's Nice on the uh, Sunday evening fixture. So, uh, all of that leaves PSG top of the table with Lyon Montpellier, Olympic uh, Marseille, Olympic Lyonnais making up the top five. St Etienne just on the edge in sixth with Strasbourg, Bordeaux, Toulouse and Angers in the top ten. 
Down at the bottom, Gangon, uh, Monaco, surprisingly, some would say, and Nantes are in the three relegation spots, although, of course, Nantes uh, on the up with that win and the relegation playoff spot, it should be noted, with Amiens, Dijon, Nice, Rennes, Cannes and Rennes up to 11th, reading down upwards. So that's all the technicalities out of the way. Let's pick on some teams. Uh, we're going to start with uh, Thierry Henry's managerial debut in the uh, in the game for Monaco away on uh, Saturday evening away at Strasbourg. Uh, Rich, let me come to you first of all. Didn't start well for uh, Thierry Henry. And I think it's fair to say uh, the goalkeeper C, um, yeah, he's oh, had... Better days. The opening goal was Taibi esque. Um, what did you make of the highlights or indeed the game that, that you witnessed? Were there signs that Henri could get this right? And maybe did the red card to Samuel Granser kind of uh, put the bullet in the performance? Yeah, let's get the negatives out of the way first. Um, yeah, third choice goalkeeper, never, never the ideal keeper to be putting in uh, for a team in trouble and a new coach. Uh, but it was a it was a horrible horrible mistake. Fairly tame header from Adrian Thomason straight at uh, Seydoux and yeah, just eye off the ball, bundled it in himself. Really dreadful start. I mean, that's less than twenty minutes in. Um, so not a, not a great start. Um, not not too long after your star striker, your captain, Madame Falcao, he gets to, he's forced off. Uh, with an injury, um, he brings on Samuel Gronsier, um fifteen minutes and then swiftly into the second half. Off again. Um, a player that Henri had actually specifically highlighted as you know, I'm really looking forward to working with with this player. I think he's very exciting. He then gets sent off. Uh, I think within the space of two less minutes. Than two minutes. Yeah, um, harshly it has to be said. It, very harsh. I really, you look back at it. It's not a red card. He's, yes, it's a high foot, but there's no malicious intent. It's a genuine play for the ball. He, he, certainly, he certainly didn't catch Gonzalez in the face. No, no. Not that he would let on. That and it, it wasn't Vincent Company-esque for anyone that's seen that particular challenge either. It was, it was mistimed, but yeah. Yeah, it was, it was really, really harsh, I think, to show a red there. I think the referee could have been a little bit more sensible. Yellow at most. You know, young player, just come on. We we don't want to see stupid fouls, of course, but this wasn't a stupid foul. This was a, a you know a, a genuine mistake, a genuine play for the ball. So it's a very harsh red card. Um, of course, then you know Monaco are pushing for for a goal. They get caught on the eight, on the on the counter, and Matiba gets uh, finishes it really coolly. Actually, uh, a late penalty perhaps makes it look a little bit nicer than it was, but. Not not great. So that's the negatives. On a positive, the bits in between all that, <laughs> Monaco actually weren't too bad, especially in that first half. Um, you know, they created chances. Um, you know, they looked like they were sort of vaguely familiar with each other, um, which I think has been a, an issue for the most part of the season so far. Um, so there's there's little positives to take from it. It's It's... You know, horrendous. Um, you know, horrendous opening game for Henri for reasons beyond his control. You know, a silly goalkeeping mistake. Your captain forced off injured. A very very harsh red card. You know, the <laughs> triple whammy, triple whammy of unfortunate incidents. His, his say, face was a picture on the side. Yeah, yeah. If you if you looked like at the first kind of, what the hell have I got myself into? 
look uh, you, for, for some if, of it. If you looked at the first half, um, you know, to to only be to be a goal to be a goal down was perhaps a little harsh on Monaco. I think they they created opportunities, they played the ball around pretty well. Um, so there's there's little bits of positivity to take from it, and you know, it would be unfair to focus on the uh, the real negatives because. You know they are mistakes and, and unfortunate instances that are not going to happen week in week out, and only really do happen when you're at rock bottom. Mm. Uh, I I am um, I was watching the multiplex, so didn't see all of the in a sense the the play in between the things, but we did get to see that I think Falco had a goal ruled out. Was that an obvious one? Um, uh, it, it, yeah, it was. Yeah. It's fair to rule out, and they had a couple of. Uh, Monaco had a couple of efforts cleared off the line as well. The header that was cleared off the line was particularly good, wasn't it? I mm. forget who it was, but um, yeah, no, I think I pretty much agree with everything that, that, you, that you said there. I want to just bring Jez in on this one as well. Um, it's probably a slightly unfair question, Jez, but sod it, I'll ask you anyway. Um, Henri's sort of time, obviously, you can't judge him in a week, of course. Is this, um, how long do you think it takes him to, to turn things into the positive I mean the performance was decent yes but how long do you think we, we sort of not should give him but how long before people are going to start going oh yeah all flash no substance is is that Champions League game that the next focus or is it all about turning the league down form round at this stage uh, I think a win in midweek would be would be a bonus but I think it's got to be about a league out they need to climb out of that relegation zone as soon as possible and you know everything that Rich said was right that in a lot of ways it was just it was always going to be a tough place to go anyway but everything went against when I say against Monaco in a sense it did feel more like it was going against the one I suppose um, so yeah it's not I don't think it's a case of you certainly can't put any of the defeat at Strasbourg put on feet um, and the, the good stuff that, that they came up with um, you know, I don't know if it's because of the new manager boost or stuff that he's been saying to the players or what, but there were definitely positive signs. Um, and yeah, I think as soon as they, as soon as they get that that win to sort of get off the ground, you probably can see them going on a bit of a run. I mean, you look at the starting eleven, and again, it's still it's, it is a strong team. And there is mm. even taking into account the very young green players, it's it's a very decent squad. Um, there are potential issues that the sort of the spine that you'd want to be a bit stronger is is very weak at the moment. But um, you know, Benalio's hopefully going to be back for midweek. But personally, I don't rate him either. Um, Glick and Jemison are supposedly the starting centre back, so they've lost all form. Um, Falcao obviously is, is more and more injury prone. So there are issues that, although they're sort of big names, they're certainly nowhere near their best. But there's there's definitely enough raw material for Henri to work with. And, you know, even as, as early as this weekend, at home against Dijon, who have also lost a hell of a lot of form, it's a perfect chance for, for Henri and Monaco to, to, to get off the ground. Mm. Uh, Dijon, um, without a win in seven, and they have lost six of that last seven. So if any home match was going to look like a good opportunity to do something positive, then yeah, sure. Saturday night, that, that looks like it could be a, a good opportunity for Monaco. 
Agreed. Agreed. Well, that's uh, that's Monaco. We're going to kind of um, shove two teams together a little bit here. Phil, I'll start with you because we're going to talk uh, Lille and Montpellier, which is kind of a, a bit of a um, a bit of a double whammy because both sides, I think it's fair to say, are overperforming this season. Certainly compared to the start. Well, put it this way: compared to what we thought maybe the top three would be, I'm not sure we have those two up there at this stage. Um, you went to see Montpellier's two 0 victory over Bordeaux. Yes. Um, just give us a bit of a flavour for the uh, the atmosphere, the intrigue, and how it went, and well, also the, the um, very good match report that we got sent. In. Yes, the the atmosphere was a bit weird. Um, we do have a kind of a match review up on the site from Craig Carter who sent something in which actually kind of focuses more on uh, Jan Caramo's role in Bordeaux and how that's going because obviously he's a really promising young player um, but yeah Montpellier <laughs> it was a glorious sunny weekend so I figured I'd get get some girls together and we'd um, go go and watch the football and the normal um, the Etang de Tau, which is the uh, tribune where the ultras normally are was shut I presume after the slight inconveniences of the derby with Nîmes. So they'd relocated themselves into the inverted commas students stand in the corner, um, which was actually being used as a fundraising effort for the people killed um, and uh, uh, the people who'd basically lost their homes in the flooding in Ord um, over the last week or so. So the ultras had relocated. We've only got, one of the three levels of the side stand open to make it look full on the TV. So you don't get the same sense of uh, the whole round being there, as it were, and the noise coming from all over. And also, from my point of view, a bit pissed off you can't see the formations properly because you're in the lower tier. But it was um, a very good, a very enjoyable experience because of the sun and the clowns and the the new family area they have. Um, But yes, it was... It kind of was solid, but didn't feel very exciting at any point, which is weird because having lost the first game of the season, Montpellier now unbeaten in nine and they're in third place, but it still doesn't feel like they're scoring a lot of goals. The defence is doing absolutely fabulous work. They've got the second best defence with only seven conceded after PSG, who have six and Lille are then on eight. And it really was very much... um, you know, a solid defensive performance and then taking the opportunities that came to you. Junior Sambia was basically going on mazy runs a lot and just absolutely, you know, baffling various Bordeaux defenders. He does tend to run down blind alleys a bit, but the kind of the level of nervousness he seemed to impart into the defence then helped other people to to be really good. So, yeah, Gaetan Laborde... A really good performance. I think uh, Damien Telek also got into the L'Equipe team of the week. But things like Bordeaux just look a bit like they don't really have a a plan. Um, I think Caramo was definitely the guy who seemed to be trying most. Um, But even before, the penalty was kind of given away by Pablo, I think. But even before that, just after half-time, he'd done some massively heart-in-mouth kind of defending from a Bordeaux point of view, um, you know, kind of gently chipping the ball directly up in the air in his own area, stuff like that, with an oncoming attacker coming towards him. So it was a slightly strange game because it didn't feel that nervous at any point, but also it didn't feel particularly convincing until that second goal went in. So I think it is 
very much that you can see Montpellier's profile is we are going to defend really, really solidly and then somebody will score at some point. And whether that's going to be a sustainable model, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of what they were doing last year and ended up outside the European places. So it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of keep this unbeaten run going. They will be away at Toulouse uh, at uh, next weekend, looking for the 10th unbeaten game. It'll be interesting to see how that pans out because Toulouse are in a bit of a iffy spot at the moment. So yeah, you never know. But Given Montpellier's away form and um, slightly conservative approach, maybe a draw rather than an away win there, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, well summed up. And as you say, that match report is still available via our site if you want to have a read. Um, from the flip side of the, the opposite side of the coin, um, but equally, I would argue, overperforming, uh, Rich, I'll come to you because you've got some positives you want to talk about. Lille, who we mentioned at the start of the show, got a 2 1 win away at Dijon um, in that rather fetching fluorescent kit. Um, oh God. Yeah. It's horrible. It, it is, an, even for my taste, it's a little. It's overdone. too much. It's too. It's fluorescent pen, isn't it? But um, nevertheless, you won't miss them. And um, yeah, Rich, they, they got they got the win again. Is this down to because anyone that uh, that I read on my Twitter timeline who doesn't follow French football is is getting very excited about Nicolas Pepe, and I've sort of tempered that slightly. That might be his agent. Actually. Yeah. Um, I've tempered that slightly by saying this isn't the Pepe I think we thought we'd get. Is it all down to him or is it more of a, a collective that Lille have just turned this sort of, well, awful season last year completely on its head this year? Uh, I mean, it is a collective. It's just that Pepe is the one that's, um, you know, getting his name on the on the score sheets, on the assist charts. Um, but let's not kid ourselves. He is playing very, very well. Probably the best we've, we've seen him play. Um, and, you know, it's right. That, you know, it's only right that big teams are showing interest we don't need to, you know, big teams don't now need to see, you know, season after season of consistent performances to to make a move for a, for an exciting player. They're happy, with, we've seen recently, they're happy with only a handful of exciting, uh, a handful of exciting appearances. And the fact that, that Pepe has arguably been player of the season so far in the entire division um, is only going to make those interested parties uh, grow stronger as we come to January. I know he's he's gone on record to say that he's not looking to move in January and Lille would certainly be mad to, but I'm fairly certain the bids are going to come. Um, I think Bamba's got seven goals as well. Yeah. Just the one assist, which I think sweetly was for Pepe. Uh, they do seem to be you know, working together very, very well. That that assist as well, That that is quite the pass if you haven't seen that from... Oh, from the back heel. Uh, Pepe, Pepe's back heel to set the arrow. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Very but what we, I mean, what we've got, I mean, we've it's been mentioned before, but you, we've now got a a squad of players that you know know what direction they're going in in terms of in terms of tactics, in terms of how they're how they're they're, they're needing to perform when they're on the pitch, which was certainly devoid at the start of last season. <laughs> Uh, and obviously put them in a position that was very difficult to turn that around. But over the summer, Galtier has worked really hard with the squad. Um, the players, in turn, have worked very hard and are now, you know, both are now now reaping the rewards because we've seen certainly the two games previous to last weekend, we saw the very best of of Lille in so much as full of, you know, the, the attacking flow that we've loved so far this season. 
Pepe Bamba being as dangerous as any player in the league um, as they really put the sword to, to Marseille and Saint-Etienne, uh, putting three past both. Uh, so real, real statement performances, statement wins. And then on, on Saturday evening, a really scrappy game where, you know what, they weren't at their best. Um, they weren't necessarily the best team on the pitch. Um, Dijon had the chances, certainly had the majority of the chances, majority of the possession. But Lille then have showed a different side to us. You know, they can be the flair, you know, attack-minded team that has worked so well so far this season. But they're also capable of, of getting those wins when they're not playing so well. You know, that, that, that is... game could have been an, an, easy, an easy drop, you know, drop points, maybe a you know, draw, possibly even a defeat. Certainly for the Lille last season. You know they, you know they, they wouldn't have had, they wouldn't necessarily have been able to play as poorly as they did and still grind out the result. So, you know, it, it's it's another facet I think to to Lille's uh, Lille's performances that they're also capable of not only putting in flashy displays against you know the big teams, but against the the teams who will scrap with them um, that won't necessarily and this is no disservice to Dijon not, won't necessarily play amazing football but will be really gritty will be really fighting for everything and Lille can still come out on top so really really uh, you know big praise to, to Galtier and his side and I think yeah. that's what we were concerned when he took over there was that he does have a bit of a reputation as being a defensive coach and so when Lille started playing this kind of lovely free-flowing football it was like oh that's interesting has he changed completely but as Rich said when it you know when the the situation gets a bit more dicey they do also have that defensive early well-organized kind of attribute that you'd expect from Galtier so it looks like he after you know so many years at Saint-Étienne is really showing still a great deal of um, kind of versatility himself in his coaching and getting that out of out of the the team as well. Yeah, yeah, there's two sides that are definitely on on the up this season. And Jez, I'm going to give you the the uh, the, the awkward question. I'm simply going to ask you of the two, Montpellier and, and Lille, um, who is who is best set for you know potentially continuing this form beyond this start of the season? Maybe maybe beyond Christmas. I mean, are either, in your opinion, likely to to, to stay the course in those European spots? Um, I can actually see them both staying the course, but. I think if one was to fall away, I think I would probably, I'm not comfortable saying it, but I would probably say Lille, just because they're playing sort of much more kind of high intensity, um, fast breaking game, which to me sort of means that they're a little bit more likely to possibly sustain injuries or just run out of energy and also as good a team performance as it is, as Rich has been saying, you know, Menon was probably the man of the match this weekend. Um, so, you know, it really is everyone contributing, certainly the attacking thing and certainly while we're waiting for, to, for Remy to turn up, um, on the attacking side, it really does mostly seem to go through Pepe and Bamba, um, both in terms of the, the playmaking and the actual finishing. Um, although most of Pepe's goals have been penalties, although in his defence most of them have been earned by him. Um, so uh, I feel like that you know they potentially could be just one or two injuries away from having to go back to the drawing board in terms of style of play, whereas Montpellier 
as Phil said, you know, they, they were playing like this last year. There's a carrier and is a past master at this. It's the same kind of style that he played at Nantes. And frankly, it's really horrible to watch, but it's very, very effective. Not on a sunny day at Mosul. Um, we had one question kind of related to, to this, yeah. which is when do you think from Josh Andrews, who is Josh Andrews 12 on Twitter, when do you think PSG will crack under the pressure of Montpellier's <laughs> title charge? And how is Philippa B planning to celebrate Montpellier's second Ligue 1 title of the decade? The answers are um, A, any, t- any moment now, and B, I'll let you know uh, in May. Yeah, it, it'll happen, of course, when, when Giroud spectacularly returns in January and fires 40 goals in the second half of the season. And... <laughs> somebody somebody <laughs> scoring goals would... Skulicic, nice. I felt a bit sorry for him because the last kind of 10 minutes or so of the match, um, everybody was playing at walking pace. He'd been brought on a sub. I don't think he scored yet. He was desperately trying to get in there and get about it and he's... Uh, Teammates were mostly jogging around, passing to each other. So I, as well as Caramo trying very hard, Skulicic is obviously also trying hard, but I think he might be waiting a while. Yes, yeah, I think you might be right. Um, there's just one other, one other team I just want to touch on quickly before we um, slide into our debate this week. And Jez, I'm going to stay with you for this one. Um, we saw uh, OJC Nice um, lose at home again. Um, they cannot seem to win or even score a goal at home. Um, I wanted to just just get your take on on that game. I mean, Marseille. It, in truth, they didn't have to do a lot to win the game. It has to be said. It's a lovely take from uh, Morgan Sanson for the winning goal. A lovely finish. Um, but that apart, the game was pretty dull. Um, and bar maybe Alan Saint Maximin, who, who looked probably the most likely, <coughs> Nice just looked so fruitless in terms of attack and. Balotelli, dare I say, is back to his old, I'm just going to sulk and look moody uh, rather than actually contribute at one point. Well, most of the second half, in fact, he was stationed on the left wing. Not ideal when you're chasing a goal. What is it that you think is affecting Nice in terms of being able to perform at home? And what, what is it you think they might need to change to get themselves out of this slump? Because it's not great watching at the moment. Uh, it's, not, it's not great because there's not much finishing product, but... I do think that they're they're not that far off. I think that Vieira has got them playing nice football, nice style of football. Um, I think in the first half they were by far the better team. And yeah, I agree. Really unlucky to go in one nil down, and then yeah, second half it felt like they'd run out of ideas, and and Marseille were pretty comfortable. But I think. As you said, Sam Maxima at the moment is kind of carrying the forward line by himself. I mean, to be fair, Balotelli, I think, had by far his best game of the season so far, but that really isn't saying much. But mm-hmm. hopefully it bodes well for the future. Maybe now he's you know getting back to sort of proper match fitness after a real um, you know summer where we weren't really sure whether he was coming or going. Um, Hopefully, Vieira is getting into focus a little bit more. Our leader is just not working at the moment. He looks short of confidence and just doesn't look... Well, I mean, he looks like the very young player that he is. And it feels like he's sort of being left behind by others who, you know, were either behind him or level with him in terms of the Lyon production line and, you know, those elsewhere as well. And he's just not kicking on at all. 
So it does feel a bit like Sam Maximan's doing it all by himself. And you know, Cyprian, he had he had a fantastic shot that, that went just wide. He was a little bit unlucky with that one in the second half, but he's still sort of the shadow of the player that he was um, a couple of years back before his injury. So I don't exactly find it frustrating because I think this is the weakest Nice squad in probably a good four or five years. And I think Vieira's probably doing the best he can with them. Um, you know, there's still a couple of uh, sort of mistakes in the defence every now and again, which doesn't help at all. But I think he's he's building a relatively strong squad. I think he's kind of settled on on the on probably his his favoured starting eleven and formation. And you know, hopefully, once they've got that consistency, they'll they'll start sort of developing a little bit more sort of instincts and and you know collective play. But certainly, I feel like two thirds of Two thirds of the play is not so bad at all. It's just that there's no one able to finish at the moment. You know, maybe if Sam somehow was, was very quick, if he was able to meet his own crosses, perhaps you know they'd yeah. have a bit more chance. But if they had another one of him on the opposite wing as well, if they were able to open the play up a bit more, the, the one player I did think came out with it with a bit of credit, um, Yusuf Atal is is a player I quite like the look of. Um, maybe not so defensively, but. A lad who's what 22 to come from the Belgian league. He seems to have settled quite well. I think he was probably the best performer on on the day. The only other thing I did really notice is um, how old Dante suddenly looks. Um, all of a sudden, I think we've seen it coming for a while, but you do wonder if if he's got much more than this season in him. If indeed he's got this season in him, but um, I think um, Atal and Samaxima together they combine yeah. well, and you know. Amavi, you know, of all the players on the pitch, you talk about Balotelli, Cipriam, Alida. The one that's kind of the most tragic when you think about just total loss of form is Amavi at the moment, and he was mm. in several times. He um, did make a, a brilliant goal-saving ch- uh, challenge, didn't he? That was the one that was it. Was it Saar? No, I think it might have been Bunasar actually. I might be getting. Well, that's the thing. What's, what's, like what's, what's, <laughs> yeah. what's not helped Amavi is just how well Bunasar has performed. Yeah, you know, right back. Considering he's not. Particularly a right back, a right back. No, that's what I thought. He may, I, th- I think it was Balotelli who's coming at the back stick, and it was a brilliant cross from St. Maximin, and, and uh, it looked for all the world like it was a leveller, and, and Sarr just came out of nowhere. He's and actually right. he was pre-selected for the last France squad as well, so mm. he's not that far off at the moment. No, no. Um, although, just very quickly, I know we're not talking about them, but um, although they won. Nothing about Marseille's performance has changed my mind that Gustavo is by a country mile their most important player. Mm-hmm. Closely, closely, well, not closely followed, so I said country mile, followed by Tovan. Yeah, um, oh, t- without Tovan, they just, they looked, to me, they looked, uh, clueless is harsh, but they, they just, it's weird. I, I, I genuinely think uh, watching that game, and uh, I watched every minute of it, if you'd have had Tovan and you know, a proper goal scorer, um, that could have been four or five. I mean, it was a game that they could have put away by half time, but they just, I think, barring the goal, I'm not even sure they had another shot on target bar the goal, which again no. was brilliantly taken from Sanson. But well, that's kind of what I mean. I, I don't think they'd have been outside by half time because I think Nice dominated for half. 
Mm. It's just, it's just, it's that almost that creative spark, Marseille, a lacking, and, and then somebody to finish it because yeah, Metroglou and Shaman, I'm not convinced is is enough for for the the whole season. But um, I but still think they'd be great together, but he refuses to play. As a two, yeah, because yeah. it is, it is quite, it does suggest a good partnership, doesn't it? It's almost like he's afraid to unleash the two together. Well, he's he's played his card, hasn't he, with the summer signings, yeah, of Strootman and. Yes, yeah. The other guy whose name I'm not going to butcher, <laughs> uh, who looked like a headless chicken, I must say, on Sunday night. He was all he was just pairing around uh, all over the place. But the worrying thing is that he still looks the better of the two Croatian signings this summer. Mm. <laughs> it's Kaletikar and uh, the other, yeah, the, um, Radjanic or something like that. Ra- Ra- yeah, Radonjic. That's it. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I mean, and I thought Paye was 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 not. Well, yeah, it's glittering best either. But I think he you get the best out of him when you've got uh, uh when you've got Tovan on the same side. I think mm-hmm. You can get the best out of him and there's a France squad through yeah, that. One um, thing that well just one quickly thing on one final thing on Nice is it really must hurt to look over the border and see how well Alessand Player has taken to oh, yeah in Germany. I think that's he got an assist at the weekend, which I think is now five goals and two assists. Very good. It's like for six or seven games for Munchen Gladbach. So yeah, he's been really, really good. Uh, it's gutting for them that why couldn't someone have paid twenty million for Balotelli and we'd have kept players? Yeah. I, although that said, I wonder, I wonder how Balotelli would have done had he have got, you know, that or had he got the move he clearly wanted to Marseille. It makes you wonder, but it is Balotelli, so you just never know. Um, Okay, so that'll uh, do us for, for the weekend's Liga action. Um, in terms of fixtures coming up for next weekend or this weekend, whichever way you want to look at it, you've got Nîmes hosting St Etienne uh, on the Friday, and then on the Saturday, early game is Angers hosting uh, Olympique Lyonnais, more on them in the second. In the evening, Omien hosts Nort Gangomp, uh, much needed points for them, or they will need points at home to Strasbourg. Lille face Champions League chasing Khan. Uh, Monaco face Dijon. I'm going to keep peddling that line, by the way. Uh, Toulouse Montpellier. Uh, you'd have to think that Toulouse need points there as well against the informed Montpellier. And on the Sunday, you have Rennes against Ram. That will uh, tie Jonathan, <coughs> Jonathan uh, Pierce up in knots. Uh, Bordeaux against Nice is the four o'clock game. And uh, Olympic Marseille PSG. I'm not even going to ask you for a highlight game this weekend because it's pretty. Pretty sure that La Classique will be the one that everyone's going to pick. Um, sadly, I don't see it being too much for contest. Ah, I, I was, I was going to name Saint Etienne. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought you were going to say. I think I you know, Neem got kind of shafted the weekend and now eight without a win and yeah. scored a goal in four. But they're still strangely really fun to watch. They're like this season's Dijon. If Hipster's choice. Last season's Dijon was Dijon, if you see what I mean. Yeah. So no, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to Friday night. I think that's going to be a, a fun game. I think Bordeaux-Nice might be worth a, a flick as well in terms of just uh, two clubs needing points for different reasons. Yeah. Uh, could also Not be really dull. Very well. yeah. yeah, that's the only downside. Um, <laughs> just just uh, anyone can chime in here. Does anyone fancy Marseille to put up a fight against PSG at all? Uh, yeah, they'll put up a fight. Literally, yeah. <laughs> nil nil, no shots at all. I mean, so was it last was it last season or the season before that it took a Cavani free kick in the 
final minute to sign last, last season, wasn't it? Last season, yeah. 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 And that was was that Neymar sending off as well? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it's it. I mean, without a doubt, it's the game to watch. It's at the Velodrome. It will be a fantastic atmosphere. Yeah. I will get wound up with the nouveau riche PSG fans who claim <laughs> they've got bigger fish to fry than focus on this picture because this is the biggest game in France, oh, and it winds me up so much that these newfangled PSG fans who don't really give a crap about what happened beyond five years ago don't see this as the biggest fixture. This is the biggest fixture, whether whether PSG, uh, the, the people behind <laughs> whoever they want to admit, in France, this is the biggest fixture, without a doubt. End of story. No, I'm completely with you on that one. And the atmosphere alone uh, makes it makes it just that. So uh, I'm just going to lay my hat uh, on the side now uh, for one PSG. There you go. That's where I'm going. So I don't expect it to be a challenge, but I'm usually wrong. So there's hope there, Marseille fans. Uh, right. Um, speaking of being wrong, the uh, our, our grand debat this week is just just a very um, a very sort of brief one. But I, I wanted to to chuck this one in because we are in October, so we've had a few months. I was listening to a couple of podcasts this week, and and two uh, unnamed podcasts. Um, which, in fairness, are usually quite good, good value. Uh, both had journalists. Um, Can't name them. Uh, okay, well, one was Football Weekly, uh, which I do generally enjoy, and with, the other. Stop with, with, uh, with French, French football, Barry Glendening. Yeah, but itching. but it, but it wasn't him. That's the thing. This week, it wasn't actually him that that I have to throw under the bus. I must confess, I can't remember which other podcast it was that I listened to where something came up. But one of the popular ones. Um, Essentially, poo-pooing the French league um, as usual. You know, the quality isn't good. Uh, statistics back it up. Defensive league, uh, slow-paced. All the usual tripes and, and uh, cliches coming out. So, I just wanted to ask you all just a simple question: Have you enjoyed this season so far? And you know, it, especially in the UK, Liga is the only league you can watch on. Uh, domestic TV, if you will, with Bundesliga and Serie A going to online broadcasters. Have you um, have you seen a noticeable upturn in the quality, or is this whole PSG juggernaut still kind of killing the uh, the, the interest for those who may not tune in normally? Um, start let's start with you, Phil. What, what do you think from a from a French perspective directly? Well, I think um, Richie's flag on the barricade um, <coughs> speech that we've just heard pretty much sums it up for me this it is important and people do watch it and people do like it and if one team is uh kind of running the league well look at the premiership um yeah. i think mike cayley wrote an article recently which was looking at because it looks close at the top of the premiership but when you look at the stats man city are just on a different level and yes, this is we we've said this for a couple of seasons now. But if you ignore PSG and look at the rest of the league, it's really competitive. Um, like you say, we've got Lille and Montpellier in the top three. Then it's Marseille, Lyon. Then it's Saint Etienne. Then it's Strasbourg. You haven't been up for that long. You look down the bottom, and Monaco are down there. You know, it's it is still um, interesting it is still going to attract people. And if you say it's very difficult to kind of judge quality one league against another because the styles are different, the teams are different, everything's different. Yeah, the Bundesliga is looking really kind of jazzy and cool at the moment because young players from France and England are doing very well there. But, you know, you look at Italy and 
Juventus, I presume, are winning again. Yeah, yeah oh, you look at yeah. Spain, and that seems to be a bit more interesting this year. It's nice. These things go through cycles. And yes, PSG are up there. They're the juggernaut. But <coughs> that, that isn't the whole league. And the people that pay the ticket, pay for the tickets and buy the shirts and wave the scarves and set off the, um, you know, incendiary devices, they care about their club. And there's 19 other clubs there who are all fighting. Um, and that's, you know, that is as intriguing and, uh, and fascinating as ever to me. So, yeah. yeah. No, I think you make some good points there. Jez, what do you think? Is there, if, if I go into, I'll just give you a prime example of, I mean, I can only really speak from, from an English perspective or living in the UK. If you go into a, a popular, um, uh, Geordie based owned sports shop for example um, you you can find PSG shirts but you can also find uh, Lyon, Bordeaux uh, Marseille mainly because of the brand of Adidas, Puma, Nike, whatever but it is possible to find those shirts and equally it's not possible to find the lower teams but that said you can't necessarily buy I don't know Watford or a uh, uh, Brighton. Brighton, yeah, exactly, yeah. So, so is are, are views changing, or is there still the stigma, sort of across Europe, that that, that the French league is the lesser of of these top divisions? Um, well, first of all, I'd, I'd say I don't, I don't think it's across Europe. I think it's here. I agree. There's um, a big issue. Um, Snobbery. Yeah, I really think there's. I think you can easily make a strong argument either way. Um, to say that French League is still a very good league or to criticise it as well. Um, uh, the, uh, first of all, just to, to deal with the the fact that it's a defensive league, I think this year so far the, the average number of goals per match is well down. But first of all, in the last five years, it's gradually gone up year by year. Secondly, last year there were more goals per game on average than in the Premier League. And thirdly, so fucking what? Like, defence is part of the match as well. If it wasn't, then, you know, if two, two teams were level, you'd decide it purely based on goals scored, not on goal difference. And Italian football would never have existed as a thing if people didn't like defensive football back in the 90s. Exactly. The and Jose Mourinho would never have won anything. Well, that anything wouldn't be a bad thing, but so still. That's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, I'm ignoring that because that definitely feels a little bit like just a stick to beat France with. Lazy. Um, in terms of, you know, if you want to look at a hell of a lot of talented youngsters, then it's the league to look at. Maybe Germany catch up a little, but it's still the league to look at, to watch. Um, you look at um, the France squad. There was, just got it on now. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine players based in France who won the World Cup. That's that's not you know just under half. That's not too bad a ratio, I think, for what is a selling league. Um, and in terms of competitivity or homogeneity, or whatever, if if you ignore PSG, then yeah, I think it's a very close. Um, it's a much more competitive league. All right, this year the Premier League, the top six or whatever, are not separated by much, but it is very much the top six and the rest of the league. Mm-hmm. Maybe seven at a push in the last year or two. But, you know, let's be fair, not a single team outside the top six can realistically aspire to <laughs> Leicester and Bernie outliers. But generally, you're, you're entering the league 
you're entering the season, if you're most of those teams thinking, you know, hopefully we'll get a good cup run and if something really freaky happens, we might get a Europa League place. But basically, we're not really playing for trophies. In France, maybe not winning Liga, but teams can aspire to, to European places, I think. Um, so in those senses, I think it, it's much more interesting. I have to admit, I think the quality of football for the most part of the season so far has been really bad. And I don't know if it's all skewed by PSG or not, but, you know, I just, I know PSG are by far the best, but for them to have scored, to have won every match and to have scored a minimum of three in every match, it, it is a bit humiliating, I think. And it is, I find it really painful. And I know for years we've said, you know, if they've got all this money, why don't they play great football? Why don't they play with a great soft and um, rather than settle for one or two new wins every week? Um, now I'm sort of regretting <laughs> saying that a little bit. Well, we, we want they it. Got, it doesn't, they got, doesn't mean we have to like it. Goals in 10 games. Yeah. It's, it looks like Leon women at the top of this table, to be fair. But yeah. What's, what's, what's your thoughts, Rich, on, on this debate? Um, I do think that we are starting to see more interest shown in it. Um, we, we're, we're never going to, to eradicate those that just, you know, bash it as the, you know, the Farmers League is the popular one. But there are more and more people now who are actually defending the league. When, when you know, Squawker put out a tweet saying, oh, PSG have scored, you know, an average of three plus goals in their last 10 games and you get the morons come up on Farmers League, you will actually now start to see a lot more people defend it. Because they realise that, they realize that beyond PSG, there's a, there's a whole world of football that people don't seem to necessarily be looking at, which now, bit by bit, more and more people are starting to look at. And they realise that actually, you know what, all these great players that you know, my club in England are signing or... You know, I'm they a, came from somewhere. I'm a, yeah, I'm a I'm a shitty Messi fan account that, or a you know a Ronaldo fan club or whatever, something like that. It's all about Madrid. It's all about Barcelona. It's all about Juventus or or Bayern. Munich. They're all these big European clubs. Where on average do they do most of their shopping? It's probably France. Yeah, exactly. You know, look at we we joke about how many players are are, are poached out of France, but. Look at it. The facts speak for itself that you look at all those great great clubs around Europe, chances are they're going to have at least one player who at some point was a was a was was uh, was league based in their their sort of you know their, their yeah, yeah it feels like if you all the ones who call it a farmers league probably their favorite player is either Kante or Drogba. <laughs> I think that the biggest the biggest one I have or the biggest issue I have is the people that that call it a feeder league and you know I know the point they're making because exactly what you just said there actually you know players that are coming from that but I I just I'm just uncomfortable with that term because it just that what that sounds to me is is arrogant english british um whatever fans it is it's essentially arrogant saying yes that league is there purely as a a breeding ground for big for quote-unquote bigger clubs to take players away that's not how i see it i sort of see it as a well <laughs> to quote the uh the, the tagline a league of talents that's how i see it rather well, than it's, a, it's, it's, it's french clubs who are now they're slow they 
for years, French clubs were dreadful at pricing their players. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it, it now seems good thing. It yeah. now seems that actually, you know what? We can smell the money that's across the channel in England. We can smell the money that's at the big clubs in Spain, in in Germany, in Italy. And you know what? If you know, you look at Monaco. They sold Guido Carrillo for twenty million euros. You know, and it's like, well, well, why? You know, call it a feeder league if you want, but that's just. That's madness on the side of the English clubs. Mm. Why are you offering 20 million for Guido Carrillo? Why are you offering 14 million for Gazelle? Why are you offering these, you know, stupid numbers for players who not honest, are not actually that great? So no. I'd say, and I then on, on the other side, you've got like, um, it's a Diop who's turned up at West Ham and most West Ham fans seem to say, yeah, he's one of our best players. Well, exactly. And then, you, well, you know, I mentioned him earlier in the pod, Alessandro Player. Yeah. 20 million, I think he was signed for. And he's hit the ground running with, with complete ease. And Seri being the only Fulham, fan, uh, Fulham player who seems to know where to stand. You know, it is, um, it is a case that it's not a feed. A feeder league implies to me that you, that you pick up the players who make up the numbers. Hmm. Whereas so, what, what Liga is doing here is pro- the transfers going over are becoming key players, can't they? Lacazette, etc. Yeah, hmm. I'd very much Talisa. say I disagree in the sense that I think it very much is a feeder league. I just think it's a fact. I don't think I, I don't see it like that. I see it as a feeder league in the same sense that. Sorry, Chris, but you know Arsenal were a feeder club for Man City for a while. They train, you know, they discover these great players of great potential, make them into great players, and then sell them on to a much richer neighbor. Yeah, that's fair. That's just fair. In that sense, I think that is what what the French league has been for a long time, Um, and I think part of the problem has been that partly because of fans and history and cultural reasons, um, it's not as big a league, and and the clubs, I think, have been a lot further behind in terms of everything, in terms of commerciality, as well as um, you know how to how to deal with media and press, as well as how to sell players. But as Rich said, I think they are getting a lot more clued up. I think the fact that um, that you have cases like Gazelle and Carrillo and, and clubs willing to spend so much on them, partly it shows that English clubs have got money to spare, but it also shows that at least the, the kind of people that matter who are you know signing the checks or whatever um at least they they do appreciate the the french league as a quality league or as a producer of quality players and i think the most important thing is that um now france you know nowhere near the same level as the premier league but france have now signed a very big um tv deal as well Mm. so i'm hoping it, it might take two three four years but i think it will change or the the sort of balance of power will change not necessarily um, sort of an equilibrium or France going ahead of the Premier League or anything like that but I think France's bargaining power will change a lot I mean you look at the, the French League and, and you know some of the traditional big clubs Bordeaux is still in disarray in terms of ownership and money Lille is still in massive debt Marseille always seems to be close to, to um, being in debt um, Lens sacked a load of people this week because they, they to, to balance their books um, have, have you know, apart Leo, from PSG and Monaco, have they all got out of their um, audit issues? Not probably fully, not, but, but they seem to have. You know, the usual DNCG, they seem to turn uh-huh. a bright eye to certain teams. But 
Um, you know, they still managed to sign a few players, but they may well have to sell Pepe in the summer. They might have no choice in the matter. And he's another no. one that well, probably go other, for an absorbent fee as well. Other, other, yeah, league, but, other leagues don't have or don't seem to have anyway a, a regulator like the DNCG who are quite so. Uh, considering the the it's bizarre. It seems like a very good thing, but it kind of does a disservice to France because, you know, Real Madrid function on an absolutely massive debt for example and you know even with all the money coming into the Premier League most of the teams are in debt so it just seems that I'm not going to laud them for being more honest or or whatever than other leagues but they do seem to have restricted themselves in some way but I do think that things are are changing in lots of ways and they'll be a little bit more competitive you know I think most of the teams I might be wrong but I think I read it this week in terms um, about Wren, so Rich might put me right, but I think um, there's talk of Wren wanting to be- get into a position where they can buy the stadium. I think most French clubs don't even own their own stadiums. Nope. So that's an absolutely yeah. massive income stream that they're all missing out on, for example. Yeah, yeah. So they have a lot to catch up on, but considering where they are in comparison, they're not doing such a bad job, and hopefully they're moving in the right direction. I would just implore anybody that wants to have a pop at French football, even those that perhaps don't, but just, just give it a go. Just, just watch a few games. Yeah. There's going to be some crap games, but there's going to be crap games in every league. Yeah. Um, just give it a go. You know, watch PSG for your big main players by all means, but don't judge the league solely on that. No. And, you know, try watching a few games that aren't PSG related. We know PSG are going to be the reason why, you know, non-league fans are going to come and watch league but you know if psg can do a great job of bringing those fans in Mm. sort of this is obviously not it's going to be the names and the dijons are going to keep them there but yeah it's it's making sure then that you know almost like they you know psg attract them in and then they need to be dispersed out come for the psg people come for neymar and mbappe (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, you just you just look at the the series of articles we ran recently about supporter stories and how um, people fell in love with particular clubs. Now, there was a lot of OM, there was a lot of Saint Etienne, there was a lot of Bordeaux. But the reasons they were brought to these clubs were all really different, and it was really interesting reading all of those stories. So yeah, watch a couple of games, check out some of the the in a sense inverted commas other teams and you will find styles that are very different throughout the division. I keep mentioning Nîmes and Dijon because I just love the kind of way they attack games like there's no tomorrow. And that's really fun to watch. It doesn't always work. They're both down the bottom end of the table. But it's fun to watch. You can find fun in Ligue 1. Hmm. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, look, look, very much look. agree with what Rich said. If you're looking for opinions on Ligue 1, if you if you stumble on a PSG account, try to work out how long they've been a PSG fan for, possibly <laughs> even what country they're tweeting from. Because yeah, exactly. Most PSG fans don't know anything about, not sorry, not most, but most that you'll see being very active on Twitter don't really know much about French football. Right? And, and, to, and to draw a line under the whole thing, exactly what you've all have said there, there are a, a very, very large amount of media savvy people, particularly in English press, who really have not watched any football 
and don't really have the right to express their opinions having I can think of a quite high profile commentator who does lots of French matches and knows absolutely I have no idea who you mean I can't uh... well it seems that too many people will will bang out a, a legal article or bang out a legal opinion and the basis of that opinion is right I'll look at last week's results how yeah. did PSG win by got, yeah exactly they yeah. scored 4 they won 4-0 and they are unbeaten this season and they are you know, 10 points clear at the top of the table. Right, that's going to be my opinion on Ligon. Done. Yeah. And yeah. that seems to be it. There's no scraping beneath that. There's no looking into anything else. It's just how many PSG win by, how long since they last lost, how many points are they clear at the top of the table. And that seems to be the majority of the bigger, larger media outlets, Ligon coverage seems mm. to be centred around those three points, which... Yeah. You know, it means we're probably going to be fighting a losing battle till the end of time. Um, but go beyond that. That's all we. I think that's the key thing here. Is just go beyond. Come, come for PSG. Stay okay. for Nicolas Pepe. Yeah, exactly. That's a good, brilliant way of, of summing it up. Um, I feel we will revisit this argument uh, or debate at some point later on in the season. So we'll uh, we'll keep that on the agenda for another time. I'm sure. Um, in the interest of time, we're just going to very quickly, or I'm just going to very quickly rattle through the uh, Champions League fixtures or, or games. You're not, uh, you're not doing leader results this weekend? Uh, no, no, I might just skip over Need that. Right. Need uh, I have no idea why you'd want to mention that, Jess. So I'll just, just praying you skip over them next week as well. Well, yeah, depending on how the results go, I might. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, this week's um, fixtures, we see PSG and Monaco both in action uh, tomorrow. Lyon are underway as we record this against Hoffenheim. Uh, in fact, they have a corner and probably should be well up. And I should be able to watch this, but RMC Sports online 100% digital offering turns out to be shite. So six times I've tried to watch matches and nothing. Uh, I expect that to continue <laughs> this week. Uh, which Living is the dream. Really annoying. I'm paying 19 euros a month to not watch football. This is this is beginning to aggravate me. <laughs> There's a Montpellier <laughs> fan. There's definitely a joke in this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not touching that. Um, but uh, yes, we Jeremy, got Leon. I uh, I do the recording. <laughs> That's got a point. Uh, so, so Leon are away in Germany against Hoffenheim. A positive result there would certainly put them uh, in a very good position, I think it's fair to say, because uh, if they can get seven points in the first three games, that would leave them top of the group. Uh, that's Group F. We see um, Monaco, who are bottom, having played two, lost two. Uh, they play tomorrow night. They are away in Club Bruges. You'd think, really, they need a win to have any chance of, uh, of well, they'd leapfrog Club Bruges if they were to win, but to have any chance of progressing in Group A with Dortmund and Atletico Madrid. Uh, probably the highlight tie uh, is PSG hosting Napoli in Group C. A win for PSG could potentially take them top, depending on how Liverpool get on against Red Star Belgrade. And if there's uh, anything to do with the performance they put in at PSG, uh, I don't expect too much of a problem for Liverpool mm-hmm. there. Uh, uh, yeah, certainly more going on there than meets the eye, possibly as well. Uh, on the uh, Europa League side of things, uh, we have got a question that we're going to quickly touch on in a second, uh, which involves Lyon. Um, but first of all, Bordeaux go away to Zenit 
Uh, that's on the evening kickoffs on the Thursday. Um, we also see, uh, I'll bring in that Leon question in a second, by the way, because obviously it's Champions League. Uh, Marseille are hosting Lazio. That's probably the glamour That could tie. be a fight, couldn't it? Mm, could be all sorts of fun, that one. And Ren faced Dinamo Kiev uh, in the other fixture on Thursday. So uh, just to draw a line under the European talk, uh, we had a question, Phil, about Lyon. Yes, uh, the AUOL fan, who is Ozel1950 on Twitter, observation, OL are terrible, question, can we get better? Mm. Um, chaps? Leon fans don't know how good they've really got it. Do <laughs> I feel exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try, supporting a, try supporting a team like Wren, try supporting a team like Mets. There's, there's Leon, your, there's Leon your a problem. fifth. <laughs> five expectations uh, maybe i don't know whether it's it's, it's all part of this anti <coughs> genesio thing that a lot of leon fans have got and now jardine's out in the wild uh, no i mean they've got no that. chance although i did see him link with the southampton job which i thought was jesus uh, yeah high in the sky if ever there was i saw him linked with csk in moscow uh, yeah well he's yeah. he's a manager who's currently unemployed who's not an idiot, so he'll be linked with absolutely uh, everything until January, I would imagine. Ultimately, Leon will be fine. They will finish top three. That's their that's their aim for the season. Ultimately, they're not going to to top PSG. Um, they'll be fine. Um, just 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 enjoy the ride. I think, think it could be far far worse. Mm. And and they're only really, I think. Uh, when I say goal scorer, I mean Memphis Depay has been having a lovely old time this season, but they probably are only a goal scorer away, and maybe maybe midfielder. I, I suppose I suppose the biggest problem Leon have got is how do you keep hold of? They've, they've kept hold of Fakir probably six months more than they expected to, and Dombele or uh, even Denier at the moment is is interesting clubs. It's whether they can hang on to those players beyond January. Um, or beyond the end of the season, I guess. Well, it's, it's, whether, it's whether they want to or not. I mean, mm. they, were, they were under no particular financial pressure to sell any of those previous big-name players that they've sold. Mm. You know, Leon are, are one of the few very, very financially stable clubs. You know, they are, as Jesuit touched on, I believe they own their own... Uh, they own the stadium. Mm. So they're getting yeah, the money in. Anyway. Yeah. So, you know, and they're, they're financially a well-run club, so they don't need to sell... That's Olas being the businessman, Olas. That's not Olas being the Leon president, Olas. Mm. Um, so they, they, never, they, they never have to sell. It's just that they produce very good players and clubs are willing to throw silly money at them. Mm. And Olas being Olas loves the limelight and will mm. we'll, we'll look to strike a deal. But, um, you know, they, they have to assess that they're, they're not... Uh, while they're continuing to produce the players and then sell them off for these you know, very, very good, very good profit, they're not going to challenge PSG. <coughs> um, but you know they'll they'll get top three, and that that should that should be enough, and that should keep them happy, and they should stop moaning and think they <laughs> think things could be a lot lot worse. There you are, OL fans. You've been told they've got um, they've got talent all the way through, but some of them are very young, and some of them, one in particular, are very prima donnery. So you're going to get inconsistency. Yeah, yeah, raw, but but the the mechanics are there, the basics are there. Um, and they've and they've had some injury woes as well. Which oh yeah, been. no, no, without without. Yeah, I think Furlan Mendy was at right back, was he at the weekend? Yeah, 
and that yeah they've been struggling and um as you say two or three injuries with, with a squad that young we, we, we really would test them but we yeah. should i mean they've got they've got a squad that would be the envy of most yeah in the league and, and let's be honest as well they're having a lovely time in 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 league and uh, the champions league at the moment so you know when well you i mean I'd, I'd love to be supporting a team that played that badly and still were you know <laughs> fifth in the table and had beaten man city in the champions league i'd love it i'd <laughs> love to support a team could, could be worse couldn't it yeah it could be worse <laughs> Okay, um, good stuff. Well, we'll we'll draw a line there um, for another week. Um, plenty to discuss uh, next week, I'm sure. We'll have uh, probably be heavily weighted in the uh, La Classique, I'm sure, unless it's a, a very dull nil-nil, which I, I doubt. So we'll, we'll touch oh, on I that hope. next week. <laughs> yeah, just imagine. Um, but uh, yeah, be hilarious. It because <laughs> I want to watch it and enjoy it. But uh, no, okay. it'll be funny. Just 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 get biscuits and and all the tea. Good book and a bottle of wine and go with it and all that goes with it well we'll be across it no matter what uh, happens and uh, obviously there's a couple of other good games to keep an eye on and if you are listening to this for the first time or you haven't got a french team uh, give it a little go on saturday or sunday and, and see what you think but uh, we'll be back this time next week uh, or probably this time next week obviously we take it week by week but i would imagine it'll be a tuesday next week so uh, <coughs> questions in do check out that piece uh, on the website from the montpellier game and obviously any feedback you've got for us uh, as long as it's nice um then please get it into us but uh, until then i just want to say thank you to my team so thank you very much phil thank you uh, thank you rich thank you and thank you jez thank you so we have been french football weekly uh, enjoy your french football and we'll speak to you again next week